0: You guys want to go to Rome? Yes. We're going to be taking some trips there. Lord willing, the river don't rise and COVID don't uh, stop us. We're going to be going there on multiple occasions. The Kind of some interesting good news. The first building owned by our fellowship in the city of Rome in the last 2,000 years has is in the process of being purchased, and it is currently a parking garage. So we're going to be converting a parking garage about the size of this room into a church, we're going to be going and building out the foyer. Way, uh, you know, the I got a really high ceiling in it, a lot of natural lighting. Installing the technology, doing rough plumbing, rough electrical. That's that's like trip one, trip two. We're going back for all the finished stuff and the the technology install and the grand opening. We're hoping, we're hoping, we're hoping. Uh, and again, this is all up to. Oh, systems that are kind of closed down because of the disease and and a a culture that moves a little bit slower sometimes than ours does. But we hope to, in in the year 2021, dedicate the very first uh, fellowship-owned piece of property that's gonna be an amazing facility, right between a train station and a bus station. So everybody's there, everybody walks by. Right currently, that last I heard was 68 different nations worship at this church on a Sunday. So literally, when you reach people in this community, you're reaching the world. Last I knew they had about thirty thousand people watching their live stream around the world because everybody, you know, calls back to Ghana and calls it back to, you know, Slabobia, Slob- back to Serbia, back to Siberia, back to whatever. And they start watching this in villages in Africa as well as, you know, apartment complexes in Serbia. People are coming to Jesus. So we've we seen the Lord's blessing on this ministry. How many guys know if you want to be blessed, just bless with God's blessing. I mean, that's, that's the easy way to do it. So we are blessing with God's blessing. So, anyway, I want to say good morning to live stream today because it's funny, Dina acknowledged the people in the parking lot. And can I do that too? That was fun. If you're in the parking lot, I didn't hear that. I don't hear so good. So, beep nice and loud right now. Did they beep? Did they? If you're in the parking lot, get a bigger horn. If you're on live stream, though, I want to say good morning. So glad that you're here. I've, I've heard so many great comments. People are like, I didn't think I was going to like live stream. Now it really is not a sacrifice to stay at home and be a part of my church from home. And I, I'm just saying, I'm glad that you're here, however, you can get here. We are one day closer to all gathering in this room again, uh, sitting next to each other, hugging each other, you know what I mean? Drinking coffee. But when it's all over with, guys, I'm going to get a, a cup of coffee and we're just going to pass it around. Everybody's going to drink out of the same cup. You know what I mean? going to wipe stuff on it and just, God bless America. Amen. So, and, uh, but along with that, the live stream stuff, guys, you got to see what's happening Friday morning, uh, Christmas morning, 10 AM. Dina mentioned it, but it's, I, I am not a creative person. And as they put things together, I'm like, Oh, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't. And then it all came together. I'm like, that's really cool. How many guys are grateful for people that can see things that are invisible? And they can believe things that are impossible. This Christmas morning is going to be, it's stunning. And like she said, our three-year-old can't take his eyes off it. And his, you know, slightly just over middle-aged grandfather, same thing. So be a part of it. You're going to enjoy it. Communion boxes, all that jazz. And next Sunday, everybody said next Sunday. It's our last meeting. It's our last Sunday service. There's no Thursday night service this week or the next week because of Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Um, So we are going to be, this is our last Sunday, a week from today, where we're talking about what it means to have Jesus inside of you today and what it means to have Jesus come through your life. So the outward kingdom. We're going to talk about what it means to pray for the sick, what it means to trust God for great things. And really, the normal Christian life is is not a series of moral rules. The normal Christian life is bringing heaven to earth. And I know that's a huge topic, and I don't mean to exhaust it. There's no way to exhaust it. Spend the rest of our lives, we wouldn't begin to scratch the surface. But we're going to head in that direction. I believe God's going to do some great things. If you believe that too, say amen. All right, so get in your Bibles this morning, John chapter 3. We're going to get into uh, what it means, the inward kingdom. When Jesus comes in, and I'm going I'm to assume that there are people here that know all about what I'm about to say and others that know nothing about what I'm going to say, and I'm going to shoot for kind of the middle, kind of middle bottom. And I don't mean like one is lower, one is higher, but if you're here today, you're like I've been saved for 50 years, I'm going to get nothing out of this sermon. Listen, I don't know how, but if we sang Amazing Grace right now, I'd start crying. I've heard it a thousand times. I've sung it a thousand times. God puts an anointing on things that we've heard before and makes them fresh. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it, but he does it in relationships. He does it in his word. He does it in worship, and he does it, I believe, this morning. And if you're here today, like, I don't really know what this means. I'm going to take my time, and I'm going to really enjoy getting into what it means to know Jesus and what happens inside of you when someone knows Jesus. If we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, how many you guys know he didn't end with a baby in the manger? He ended his his earthly ministry as a resurrected Savior who sent the Holy Spirit, now baptizes the church in power, and sends us out. So that's where we're going to spend a couple of days. So we started with orphans. We talked about the gift of Jesus. And now today we want to talk about what happens when we believe. Number one is this. God makes us what? I, I want you to say it. And I, I, again, I, I don't mean to be like a cheerleader, but give me an N, give me an E, give me a D, right? I I don't know where the hip thing came from. That's probably scary on live stream. Like, oh, don't get a close-up of that. I don't want I don't to see that. God makes us what? He really does. And new is important. It's so important that you hear the word new. Because somehow in our Christianity, new doesn't mean new. New means painted over rust. New, new means whitewashed. New means atoned for. It doesn't. New means new. It means down to the bare metal. There's no rust-oleum in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean remodeled it means brand new. God gives us, when we put our trust in Jesus, a brand new life, a clean slate. Remember the word justify. We've been talking a lot about it lately because I wanted to get past here to here in our meditative times. Justify. What's the word justified mean in the book of Romans? It means it's justified. Try it again. It means just if I'd what? So in the sight of God, it's as if I'd never sinned. Hear me. Before the fall in the Garden of Eden, there is uninterrupted fellowship. There is unfettered access to. There's a loving relationship that has no hindrance, and then sin comes. But before there was original sin, there's original blessing. The cross of Christ restores, not just forgives, it doesn't just forgive original sin, it actually restores original blessing. We get to be new again. We get to stand before our Heavenly Father just as if we'd never, ever sin That's good news. Somebody say amen, right? Now, some people say, well, I I don't get that. That seems impossible. And let me just say this, and I want to be very careful how I say it. um, But as an atheist, a former atheist, I didn't have a problem believing that. But what I've watched is people who have had a form of godliness but denied this power have a harder time believing they're new before Christ because prior to grace, what kept them in relationship with Jesus was condemnation. The pastor's job was to stand up on Sunday and tell you about sin, and talk to you about your heart and how wicked and depraved it is and come to this altar so my ego gets bigger. I'm kidding, I don't know what his motives were or her motives, I, I want to be sexist. I just simply mean this. Everybody had to feel bad, bad enough, guilty enough to try to live out of that pain good enough to get to next Sunday so you could repent for everything that happened Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You getting this? So when we talk about the grace of God, some people are like, well, there is the grace of God, but no, no, there is no but after the grace of God. The only but is your but that's in the way of the grace of God, because we, we wanna earn this, we wanna deserve this, we wanna quantify this. I, you know, love your neighbor, who's my neighbor? I wanna make sure I'm right with this. Our, our default setting is to make sure, to cross the T's, to dot the I's, to, but, but in this case, the grace of Jesus Christ plus anything else denies the grace of Christ. We are made new. And, and what happens is, in the, in the story we're about to read in John chapter 3, this guy named Nicodemus, he's like the chief justice of the Supreme Court of Israel. He's one of the, the 70 smartest men in the, in the nation. Men's? it must be in the weekend blood today. <laughs> men's, which is plural for men. And he, 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 he knows enough. This is the neat thing about him. He knows enough to know that he doesn't know enough. And he starts a dialogue with Jesus, and it sounds like this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, the Supreme Court of the nation. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Well, how would he know that? How would he know that he came from God? And he says this For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. The devil doesn't raise the dead, the devil doesn't cast out the devil. The devil doesn't bring life. Your words, I have been teaching and learning for 50, 60 years. I've, I was the top, the top of my class that became 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 elected to the Supreme Court. I am, you know, the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of Israel. I, I am uh, the, the Neil Gorsuch. I am the, I'm trying to look smarter than I really am. I am the Supreme Court justice guy, right? And what he ends up saying, goes, but, but you have something, you do something. Something's different about you. When you talk, stuff happens. When I talk, I, I talk, and nothing really happens. I can see with my eyes that you have something. I love this. I, it's as if the wise sage from the stage sneaks in the back door at night and goes, I just don't get you. All my life I've been serving God, and I don't have half of what you have. I don't have an inch of what you have. What is different about you? So Jesus is going to, he recognizes the Father is moving on this man's heart. How many of you know that humility is a sign of the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Humility is not our default setting. You know, I just want to walk humbly. He's like, no, you don't. We all want to walk securely and even arrogantly and even hypocritically behind our, our, our false pride. And this, this man who has it all, who has more degrees than the average thermometer, right, walks in at night, sneaks in and goes, hey, so you got something. What's up with this? And so Jesus recognizes the Father's dealing with him. And so to get him good and found, Jesus starts by getting him good and lost. Remember, this is what Paul does as well. So this is what he says. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Isn't it interesting that Jesus likes to answer questions that no one asked? He doesn't answer the questions he's asked. He's asked 300 direct questions. He answers two of them directly. But he answers questions that weren't asked because what he's saying is this. Nicodemus goes, when, when, you, when I pray, you know, Shema Yisrael, I don't know, he's at the wailing wall and he's doing his thing and his talits are going back and forth and he, and he walks away and he goes, I, I got a decent ab workout and, and the duty makes me believe that I might be closer to God having performed my duty. Does that make sense? But when you pray, you come down with a joy on your face that I've never known and my face has never seen. When you pray, it's, it's like the substance of another world, like the domain of another king invades life. And I don't, I don't know how that works. And Jesus goes, well, if you want to see this invasion, the domain of the king, the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to get a brand new life. Now, look at this. This is an obvious question. How many of us you know that sometimes Jesus' answers raise more questions? He's he's not going to give it to them. He's going to show them the hole, give them a shovel, and say, there's gold, now start digging. How many of you guys know gold you dig has greater value than gold you receive? When you dig it out for yourself, when it's your answers you fought for and you get them, you don't forget them. But when someone has truth and here comes truth, there comes more truth, That the sermon you preach will be more memorable than the sermon I preach to you. Why? Because you studied to get that, and now it's yours, and it's in you, and it's a part of you. So he asked this question, well, how can someone be born when they're old? I mean, surely it's, it's asking a lot of mom. You know, she tells the story around the dinner table every year on my birthday. She doesn't, she doesn't recall it as a very pleasant situation. And so it just seems like I'd be asking a lot. I don't, I don't know. It's an obvious question, but what he's doing is he's thinking earthly. He's thinking fleshly. Jesus is talking spiritual. He's thinking earthly. So Jesus goes, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water. When the water breaks, the baby comes out. Well, When the spirit breaks, the spirit comes out. Does that make sense? So there's a gushing of water when a child is born. There's a gushing of the spirit when you're born again. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised, guys. This is normal. What I'm telling you is, is actually, what I came to tell you about, that you shouldn't be surprised by saying you must be born again. He's saying to a man who's trusted in his works and been excellent at him his whole life, who now is starting to question what he really has. He says this to him. Listen, it doesn't matter how good you are because you're not good enough. It doesn't matter how much you know because you don't know enough. What you need is not more of this natural world, not more neuron paths, not, not more narrative, not more stories, not more credit, not more honor, not more glory. What you need is to admit what you need. And what you need is a brand new birth, how many of you guys know God gives us a brand new life when we believe? You got to hear me. This is—I'm not saying I converted to Christianity slowly over. No, I'm talking about being born again. I'm, I'm not talking about changing your mind. I'm not talking about repentance and being transformed. I'm talking about the moment you believed and the light came on. God said, "You are no longer the things you've done from this day forward. You are only what I have done for you." It's a brand new life. Second thing you get is this: the power of the past is broken you know before we meet jesus someone walks up to you let's do the plain conversation you're sitting on a plane so how how you doing i'm doing well hey good to see you good to have you i'm being polite can i cuz I, I hope to like finish your peanuts later on in this flight cuz i i like peanuts and i'm hoping you don't I'm hoping god put them in, the next right person so you start to talk to so tell me about yourself bill bill goes well you know i'm just a bill and and he starts to tell you about his life it's like a rat's nest but it's always playing right i'm sorry and and he he, You know, I do this, and I do What he's going to tell you is this. He's going to tell you who he is based on what he knows, who he knows, what he's done, and if you have a long enough flight, you might get to what's been done to him or for him. But that literally is identity. I am this. I categorize myself this way. I put myself in this pocket. This guy did this to me, and it kind of knocked me out here, my, my mama, and, my, and then my third wife, and then my, and I'm just, and so who are you, Bill? And Bill just, and he says what, what has been done for him, what's been done to him is who he is. Does that makes sense. So what's been done for him? I, you know, I, have got my PhD and, and you know it was a, it was a BS degree, but then it was piled higher and deeper. So that was my PhD and the BS that I started with in the in the educational system. And then I got this. Thank you, Ron, for joking. I appreciate that. The Ronies, yeah. Rob, sorry, not Ron. And and I, I'm just telling you this. We'll tell everybody what we own, who we know, what we've done, and if we listen long enough, maybe what somebody's done to us or for us. But this is what's happening. When you give your life to Jesus, He breaks the power of what was done to you, and He supersedes the power of what was done for you, and He becomes the greatest of knowledge. He becomes the greatest of wealth. He becomes the greatest of identity. Up until the moment you believe, you're what you've done, you're what you've done, what's been done to you or for you. But the moment you believe, you are before God. What Jesus has done for you. Somebody say Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is what? A new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Remember, the biblical language doesn't have exclamation points, commas, and quotations. So when you see a, a thought repeated, the old is gone, the new has come, uh, that person's new in Christ. We've got three thoughts. If anyone a person be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What Paul's trying to say is, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. This is when someone uh, texts you in all bold print. They're yelling. They're trying to say something to you. They're they're, they're trying to make everything all caps. And so Paul is saying this, if you are in Jesus by faith, if you accepted the grace of God, you trusted what Jesus has done for you as enough, then you are from that point on not what you've done. You are what he's done for you. It's true that the seeds of our past are the seeds of our past. When I give my life to Jesus, I was 10 pounds overweight. The next morning, I didn't wake up 10 pounds underweight and and having ripped shoulders. There are consequences in the earthly sense to my actions. When I gave my life to Jesus, if I owed somebody 100 bucks, I still owe them 100 bucks. There's consequences of my actions. But before God, those consequences are severed. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I am not what I was. I'm not even a a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint walking in grace. I'm not working for his love. I'm working from his love. He is my savior. He is my Lord. He is my king. I'm a citizen in the kingdom. I'm an adopted son. I'm an heir. I'm a co heir with Christ. My identity has changed. Does this make sense? Look at this. Look at this. Let's review. As a matter of fact, God makes us new. The power of our past is broken, but I love this last one. God rewrites our story, and this time the devil doesn't get to narrate it. God rewrites our story, and this time God says, I will tell the story. Your whole story, the entire narrative from beginning to end. We were talking about a little bit earlier. I will tell the story the way that I tell the story. If you look at the life of King David, how many of you guys have ever heard of King David? Kind of a big deal in the Bible. David was a shepherd boy, youngest kid, forgotten by his brothers, despised by his brothers, forgotten by his father. When it was time to anoint a king, the, the, Nathan the prophet comes to uh, David's house and says, I, One of your kids is going to be this, and Eliab the big mouth, and Shammah the, 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 the middle son, and, 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 and none of them. God says, None of them. And finally, the prophet has to go in. Do you have any more kids? He goes, Well, yeah, but it's just David. How many guys know that's not good? Dave might have a few issues. Because of that. You know, uh, we do have a son, but he's watching sheep right now. And so we can't go get him. He says, go get him. I'm not sitting down till you get him. And they anoint him king. And he goes back to watching sheep again. He kills a lion, a bear, eventually a giant, and becomes the bodyguard of King Saul, a madman, where he's refined through fire. Where he's refined through betrayal, where he's refined through respecting the anointing of the Lord. All these tests come and he passes all these tests. But when he becomes a king, please hear me, David doesn't always pass every test. So let's talk about some of the tests he failed. The kings are out to war. Dave's on the roof. He's watching channel whatever. It clicks, and all of a sudden, as he walks on the balcony, there's a naked woman standing on the roof. And he goes, That's terrible. That's, that's just terrible. You know, somebody should do something about that. That's, that's awful. Get her up here. Bring her up here. Turns out not only is that wrong, but she's a married woman. She gets pregnant because of that one night. Her name's Bathsheba. And because of that, her husband's off to war. He tries to cover his tracks. He has, he has the husband come back, gets him drunk, sends him home. But he's a faithful man. His men are in the field. He's not going to go home and sleep with his wife. He sleeps in the street. He wouldn't go inside. And so he sends him back to war, and he tells his commander, listen, get him so close to the fighting. And when it's at its worst, back away, and I want him dead. So he covers his tracks by having a faithful man murdered. That's part of his his lineage. He takes that man's wife as his own wife. He's an adulterer, and he's a murderer. His sons are so messed up. One of his sons, I mean, there's like many wives, so there's like half sons and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they're all his son, but half brothers, half sisters. One of his sons rapes one of his daughters. So one of his other sons kills his son. How many of guys know that family feud has nothing, nothing? I, I mean, these guys, when they walked in the room, all of Israel should have started, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. And he's the father. And they're killing each other and raping each other. And it's just terrible. He he is so bloody from war that it comes time to build God's sacred temple. God says to David, listen, dude, you can't do it. There's so much pain that you have caused. There's so much blood on your hands that a place that is holy for my name cannot be built by the hands that have killed so many people. Just can't. Some of you guys know David's got issues. But remember, the narrative belongs to God when we give our life to him. So think of it this way. Think of it this way. In Psalms chapter 51, verse 10, David asked for something he didn't have the right to ask for. And this is what he says, created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When the whole thing came out with Bathsheba, that's what he wrote. How many of you guys know, like if you're really mourning, you don't kind of sit down and write a song, but David did. I, I think that the rhythm was probably da, 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 created me a clean heart. Da, 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 da. It was probably the blues, but he, he throws it out there, and in the process, he uses the word create, which is the Hebrew word bara. Bara doesn't mean to remold, reshape, scrape the rust off. Bara means to create something from nothing. It's used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created bara. God created something from nothing. And what he's asking for, please hear me. It's about 970 years between that prayer and the first chance for someone to actually be forgiven. The covenant David is living under. Are you guys still here? Please hear me. The covenant that David's living under, you don't get sins forgiven, you get them cleansed, you get them covered, but they're not removed. It is still on your record. You take an innocent animal into the temple, and you say, this is what I've done, and the priest sacrifices an animal in your behalf. Blood is shed of the innocent so that the guilty get to be innocent. They get to go free. But instead of doing this, instead of going to a priest and confessing his sins, instead of getting an innocent lamb, instead of getting an animal or a pigeon or a goat, he goes straight to God, which he is not allowed to do. And he says, God, I just ask you to forgive me and give me a brand new heart a prayer that was not supposed to have been answered for almost a 1,000 years. But his relationship with God was such that he said, I know that if I ask you for mercy, you'll always give me mercy. So he said, forgive me. And you know what God did? God redeemed his story. You know, there's those chapters. No, no, his whole story. Matter of fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jerusalem to this day is known as the city of who? I don't know if you know this or not, but the throne on which Jesus will be seated for all eternity is known as the throne of, and Jesus himself, now get this, Jesus himself is known in heaven and on earth as whose son? The son of Abraham? The son of Noah? The son of Adam? For some reason, when God wrote the story his way, David never did a a wrong thing in his life. When God wrote the story, he changed the narration. He changed, he redeemed it. And I I hope you're hearing me because there's anything I can give you today that would change your life tomorrow and change the generations to come. It's this, when God forgives a person, he doesn't just remove sin. He restores the narrative. He restores the destiny. Everything we forfeited, everything that was stolen, everything that we lost is given back through the grace of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are created for a reason and you have a purpose. You know, the thief on the cross had a reason and a purpose and he blew it all. And it was in the final moments, the final breaths of his agonizing, horrible, shameful life, he calls out to Christ and says, This day, remember me. Jesus goes, This day, you'll be with me in paradise. I don't know what his whole life was about, but I know in an instant, in the last moments of his life, just before his legs were broken, just before he hung there, mangled, mutilated, suffocating in his own juices. He was given back everything he'd forfeited in a lifetime of stupidity and sin. And eternity was his. Today, we don't know his name, but we know his story because God rewrote it. We don't know a lot of the stories, what they would have been without Christ. When you think about it. If you're here and you're a believer, what would your story be right now if it wasn't for Jesus? I mean, by a show of hands, how many of you guys, you just really believe that if it wasn't for Christ's intervention in your life, you wouldn't even be here right now, Right? Listen to me. And those of you that are not in Jesus, let those hands be a testimony to you. Not a warning, but a testimony. They are here now because of what God did then. And I'm here to tell you, please hear me. God wants to give you your story back. God wants to give you your whole story back. No, it's too late. I've gone too far. God wants to redeem your whole story. We understand that some, some things cannot be undone. God wants to redeem your whole story you don't know what was done to me as a child. God wants to redeem your whole story. See, so you understand, I'm still lying, I'm still stealing, I'm still cheating. God wants to redeem your whole story and give you a new life and break the power of the past. That's the good news. You've heard my testimony in bits and pieces, and I, don't, I won't go into the whole thing, but there's an important part of it I want to share with you in closing today. 16, give my life to Jesus. 17, join the military. 18 I'm back in my addictions I don't know if you've ever been there but when you have so much of Jesus you can't be satisfied with the world but so much of the world you can't be satisfied with Jesus there's, a, there's an old proverb that says he who sits on the fence gets splinters in his butt it's not old I made it up a few years ago but it's a good one and if you're riding the fence between what I should be and what I shouldn't be and who, who saved me but I'm not following anymore and I, I don't know what to do just, just cure this when, you, when I went back to my addictions, I remember there was a knock at the door. The guy's name's Bill. Hey, Jim, I'm going to church. You want to go? Hey, Jim, you want to go? Hey, Jim, you hey, want to go? Week after week. But the problem is, Sunday morning is the morning right after Saturday night, and alcoholics get drunk on Saturday night, and they're still drunk on Sunday morning. You want to go? No, man, I just got to. Someday when I'm sober, and I just, you know, knock on and say, hey, I'm going to church. You want to go? No, man, I just, next week, I'll go next week. You start lying to yourself and everybody else because to be a good addict, you have to be a great liar, first of all to yourself, and then to everybody. Next week, I'll do it. Next week, I'll do it. And next week, next six, seven, eight weeks go by. I go on an exercise for three weeks and I'm out of the country. I'm out, there's no liquor stores where I'm at. I come back. I'm exhausted. I go to sleep five o'clock in the morning. I take a shower and I put on civilian clothes. And at seven o'clock in the morning, there's that same knock at the door. I'm going to church. Do you want to go? I thought, man, if I don't go now, I know what's going to happen. At nine o'clock, the PX is going to open up and I'm going to buy a bunch of liquor and get hammered again. I'll be right back to where I started. So I, I'm clean. I'm in civilian clothes. I'm, uh, I'm rested. I'll go. And I went. And and please hear me. It wasn't that day, but just a few weeks later I gave my life back to Jesus. The prodigal came home and I wept. I wept not, not a not a tear. I wept a puddle of snot and tears and goo and earwax and nose juice and I found socks I lost in the third grade. I mean, it just came pouring out of me. Just Kleenex box. And when I stood up, the whole church was empty except the organist and me. I just, I just came back to Christ it was so wonderful so beautiful like being born again again I don't think that's biblical but I, I think you understand what I'm saying it was like I was born again again and here, here's the mistake I made that maybe you're making yeah I'm back as God's good but what I did and where I've been I mean he, he forgave me because that's what he does but I walked away and I God if you just make me like one of your hired men I'll just go sleep in the barn I'm just happy that I'm not out there anymore I don't deserve anything. I don't expect anything. I just, thank you. And I went to a Petra concert. Anybody old enough remember Petra? Come on, spandex pants are cool. Not anymore, but they were then. The guy gets up and he, the drummer comes out. He starts talking about it. And I remember I was struggling with, I'd, I'd gone to Haiti when I was 17. Got saved, went to Haiti, had a transformational experience. Felt like God called me to Something. Is it Haiti? Is it the kids? Is it ministry? Is it is it missionary work? Is it pastoring? I don't know. But there's something there. And I, I remember sitting at a bar, stool drunk, and people saying, "So what are you gonna do when you get out of the military?" I said, "I don't know, but I'm I'm gonna be a missionary." <laughs> they say, "No, seriously." Like, "No, I'm serious. I'm gonna be a missionary, miss- airy, an airy miss." said i don't know how to be sober in the military but when i'm out and i get clean i'm gonna go back to serving god i just can't figure out how to do it here he brought me back while i was in the military the last year i spent sober walking with jesus leading other people to christ but i'm telling you this i didn't know i got it all back i didn't know that when i came back it all came with it i knew that i was right with god i just didn't but my destiny's changed right the trajectory of my life is you know—I've destroyed my testimony. I've—there's no way. And as I'm thinking this, it's just a burden on my heart. I'm actually—my eyes are filling with tears. God, I wish. God, I wish if there was some way. I wish it. And the concert, the music stops, and I'm just praying to God. It's one of those quiet moments, and I look up, and the screen comes down, and the drummer comes out. He's a kid that was from Haiti, and he's talking about missions to Haiti and how we're gonna—and and I don't know how that dot connected to my heart, but I'm telling you, if Jesus would have sent an angel and he appeared to me, it would have not have been more real. What God gave me back that night was not a calling to Haiti. It was evidence that no matter where I'd been, I still had what he gave me the day he saved me. That my story, the narration of my story was redeemed. Not just my life, not just my soul, not just my eternity, but my destiny was restored. And I'm telling you today, if you're here and you're like, but I've gone too far, I've done too much, I'm disqualified, probably all true, except for one thing, he redeems us. He doesn't just save us. He doesn't just forgive our sins. He, he's the narrator of our story. So maybe you're a murderer. Maybe you're an adulterer. Maybe your hands are so bloody. Maybe you've done things that are so wrong. But if the throne that Jesus sits on for all eternity bears the name of a sinner, then how much more us in this covenant can we reach into and say, God, have mercy on me a sinner and have him restore the entire thing. It is not too late for you. So Father, I pray in the closing moments of this service As you take away our sins, I I want to say this right again. God, don't let us believe we're simply forgiven. Thank you for the mercy of the cross. Thank you for being born again. Thank you for all that it cost you to forgive a single sin, let alone all the sins of our lives remind us. You don't just call us out of darkness. You you repeat to us again and again, into, into marvelous light, into marvelous light, into marvelous light. There's not just a born-again experience. There's a new life that comes after being born again. And I pray, God, you would open our hearts and minds to the things we thought maybe we forgot or we forfeited. Restore what was stolen from us or what we willingly gave away. Restore it. Restore it in us a clean heart and renew a spirit that is called a destiny that is sure a work that is yet to be done and a joy to get to it you here today and you're like Jim I need to be born again I need to be born again I, I, want, I want a new life the power of the past has to be broken and I need God to rewrite my story if that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, a simple act of faith, and it's shocking how a, a moment of grace, a moment of faith destroys generations of evil. Just that much Jesus destroys so much Satan. It's just not even a fair fight. Any light in the darkness dispels darkness. It doesn't have to be a roaring fire. A match can light a room. A candle can light a hallway, it can illuminate a path. Simple lamp, simple lantern can be seen from miles away. When light is present, darkness flees. And I'm here to tell you, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, the power of God to redeem you, to forgive you, to reestablish you, and to rewrite, to write the message. His gifts and his callings are without repentance. He's not going to change his mind about you. Don't you change your mind about you. The power of God is so significant, so incredible. A simple act of faith. Right here, right now. Jim, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. Today I give my life to Jesus so that I might be born again. My past erased, broken, destroyed, forgotten. And I give God the rest of my story. And he can narrate it any way he wants it. That's you. I want you to raise your hand right now. Simple act of faith. A profound act of grace. God, I pray for your uplifted hand. A simple act of faith. And a profound act of grace. Jesus. Fill us with your spirit, God. Fill us with dreams. Wake us up in the middle of the night and speak to us when we're quiet and still. Give us back everything we forfeited and everything that was stolen. And when we end this life exhausted and fulfilled, there won't be tears of, of sadness that you wave from our face. There'll be tears of joy because we're finally home. Let us win. Let us defeat. Let us grow. Let us expand the boundaries of your kingdom on this earth in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. Online, Merry Christmas. One last try, parking lot. Beat beep, beep me back on Merry Christmas. Do you hear anything? Uh, okay, good. Let's do this, if you would please. Again, we're, we're trying to be very careful. Here's our record, guys. And and online, hear me, because maybe you're like, I don't know yet. Zero percent. We've had zero cases of transference. We've had people come in the room that later on tested positive. Not a single person around them got sick because of that. We're very careful about this. You are safer here than the grocery store, the gas station, the elementary school. We, we, and it's, I know that requires some boundaries, but what we're gonna do, we're gonna dismiss you outdoors. Once you get outside, you're grownups. We're gonna treat you like grownups. But as long as we have an atmosphere that we feel like we have the right to kind of say, let's be careful, we're gonna ask you to do that, okay? So let's gather our things. I'll stand by our feet, nobody leave. Gather your stuff, stand your feet, nobody leave. nobody leave. Nobody leave, nobody leave. Gather your stuff. So when it is time for you to go, you can go. And there are people with vests, people on my staff, masked men carrying weapons, and they're going to help you out. So when, when they say go, go, but do not go until they tell you to. So those of you that are helping people out, start talking right now. God bless you guys. You're dismissed as they dismiss you. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night.